case information provided during this program includes details of violent criminal acts and may upset, shock, and offend some listeners. Any named suspects should be considered innocent unless proven guilty in a court of law. It is reported that Alexis Camry Scott escaped half-naked from men who were forcing her to perform sex trafficking in California. She was able to make it back home to Peoria, Illinois, only to disappear after going to a party three weeks later. Where is this young mother? Does the alleged sex trafficking she fled from have anything to do with her disappearance, or is it just a distraction from the real people who harmed Alexis? Police have the very real potential of solving this missing person's case, but they need your help. This is True Crime Takedown, and I'm your host, Troy Daniels. Alexis Camry Scott was a 20-year-old mother of a two-year-old son. She was living in Peoria, Illinois. Her mother, April Allen, often helped take care of her grandson when Alexis was out with friends. Three years ago, on Friday night, September 22, 2017, Alexis went out with friends and was last seen at a party early the next morning. She disappeared off the face of the earth, leaving her mother to raise her young son. What makes this case even more complex is the disappearance of Alexis from Las Vegas three weeks before. To understand the many layers of this investigation, I was fortunate to make contact with Dusty Moultrie, who is the administrator of the Facebook group Alexis Camry Scott Campaign. Dusty made contact with Alexis's mother, April Allen, when she saw Facebook information that was shared asking for help in finding Alexis. Dusty has lots of contacts in Peoria and resources, and she decided that she wanted to try to help April find her child. Dusty has been working hard to find Alexis ever since. Dusty states that April is now one of her best friends, and they talk almost every day to strategize on what they need to do next to find Alexis. Dusty has immersed herself into this investigation and knows the public information on it backwards and forwards. This story begins with Alexis going to Las Vegas at the end of August 2017 at the same time of the Floyd Mayweather Jr. Conor McGregor fight. Alexis flew there with a female friend of hers. I asked Dusty who Alexis and her friend went to Vegas to see. That's the only two people who went to Vegas. Already in Vegas was Leland Jones, a.k.a. Uncle Beat, and some of his crew. I'm not sure of all the people there. So Leland Jones, who goes by Uncle Beats, was already in Vegas waiting for them. Leland has publicly stated that Alexis and her friend were brought out to Vegas because Alexis's friend was a dancer for a bachelor party that was going to happen there. Dusty is skeptical that a bachelor party was the real reason for their trip. Leland states, um, and this is on video, states, that she came out there for a bachelor party. We've never found out who the bachelor was, but it was also the same weekend of the really big fight. When those big fights occur in Vegas, um, a lot of times people bring 
girls out to Vegas to intermingle um, with some high celebrity people. And a lot of sex trafficking happens during that time, during those big times. He states that she was brought out there for a bachelor party, but I'm not convinced that was the case. Dusty states that Leland claims that he became separated from Alexis and her friend while they were in Vegas. According to him, he states that he wasn't around them. They were at a house. This, I guess, is the house where everybody was staying there. He states that he wasn't there, that the bachelor party got canceled, and that she was at a house, or she went out, she ended up at another house with men they didn't know. According to Dusty, Leland stated that Alexis's friend fell asleep at this house and woke up and Alexis was missing. I'm really confused on that part because I'm not understanding how one goes missing and not the other. In this meantime, he states that when they left the house that they were at, that Alexis allegedly stole $500 from one of the guys at the house. Based on what Dusty has heard, Alexis was accused of taking $500 from one of the guys at the house at some point before Alexis disappears. So in summary, Dusty says that Leland claims that Alexis and her friend are out in Vegas because Alexis's friend is a dancer for a bachelor party. But Dusty is skeptical about this because of all the sex trafficking that surrounds professional boxing events in Vegas. Leland claims he is not with Alexis and her friend when Alexis is accused of taking $500 from a man. According to Dusty, sometime after Alexis and her friend are accused of taking the $500, Alexis's friend goes to sleep at a house, and when the friend wakes up, Alexis is gone. So I reach out to Leland Jones and ask to talk to him about Alexis and their trip to Vegas. Leland Jones goes by the name Uncle Beats. Leland spoke to me and stated that he put a Facebook ad out because he was looking for dancers for a bachelor party in Vegas. One of the dancers asked Leland if it was okay to bring Alexis as her friend. I met Alexis off Facebook. So on Facebook, I literally put that I needed some dancers to come out to Vegas for a bachelor party. And one girl responded, and Alexis responded too, but I know she wasn't a dancer, so I really didn't even paying no attention because so many people responded. So one girl that responded was a dancer. She said she wanted to come. Then I had another girl that responded when she was a dancer. And she said she wanted to come and could she bring a friend? And I said, that's no problem if a friend covers her own expense of getting there as far as food and a place to stay, she can sleep in the bed with you so she'll be okay. So that's how, that's how Alexis came into the picture. Leland and I discussed that there was a professional boxing match out in Vegas that week and that a lot of sex trafficking occurs surrounding those events. But he stressed that he needed dancers for the bachelor party. This was actually a bachelor party. Uh, um, my friends, his friend was getting married and he needed some strippers for a bachelor party. And that's what I've been doing since I've been 18 is throwing concerts putting bachelor parties together, putting stripper parties together, putting rap concerts together. That's what I do. You know what I'm saying? Leland explained that dancers sometimes bring a friend just to help them at an event while they are dancing. Some strippers bring someone to just pick up their money. 
just so it ain't no confusion with the other girls. So it's like somebody throw some money at me, you pick it up, put it in the bag. You know what I'm saying? So her bringing somebody, it really wasn't, it was really wasn't out the normal. Leland ended up buying Alexis's ticket out to Vegas with the promise that Alexis would pay him back with cash when she got there. After he bought the plane ticket for Alexis's friend, the bachelor party ended up getting canceled, and he told both Alexis and her friend that they did not need to come. They told Leland that they were excited to come to Vegas, so they ended up going to Vegas anyway. Alexis and her friend's flight arrived in Vegas the early morning about 1 a.m. on August 27th, the next early morning after the Mayweather-McGregor fight. Once he picked Alexis and her friend up from the airport, he immediately took them to Fremont Street. He went to a bar. Since Alexis wasn't old enough to get into the bars, he told them to enjoy themselves walking on Fremont Street until the bars closed. After the bars closed, they connected again and drove up and down the strip before they went to the house to sleep. The next day, Leland says that Alexis and her friend were hungover from the night before and just basically stayed inside at the house and recuperated the entire day. Leland had rented a condo to be closer to the strip since there were a lot of parties happening at that time and a lot of his industry friends were in town, so he stayed at the condo. The next day, even though the bachelor party was canceled, a bunch of guys from the wedding came to Vegas. They were shooting dice and partying at the house and Alexis and her friend were there with them. Leland says there was a disagreement that occurred at the house while the guys were gambling. Why are they shooting dice and stuff instead of going to the casino? I never know. But everybody there gambling, doing whatever. So finally, somebody who was there, I didn't even know this guy because he was a friend of a friend's friend. And he like, yeah, one of them brothers stole my money. I'm like, yeah, nice try, buddy. Everybody sitting here winning and losing or whatever. I didn't even think this dude had no money to begin with. But he probably was just betting off of thinking he's going to win. Then when it's time to pay, now his money's gone. He even went to the extent of trying to say that I had them steal his money. You know, so we put him out, got rid of him. That really was the end of it. The guy that was kicked out of the party had accused Alexis and her friend of stealing $500 from him while they were talking with him. Leland says that this kind of killed the mood of the party, so all the guys left the house soon after this. Alexis and her friend ended up staying at the house the rest of the night. The next day, Leland went back to the house and told Alexis and her friend to go out on the strip and enjoy themselves. He dropped them off at the strip about 2 p.m. and told them to call him when they needed to get picked up. About midnight, Alexis's friend called him and told him that Alexis and her went to some guy's house and that Alexis left that house with a male. Leland told Alexis's friend to get on a bus and go to the strip and meet him at a restaurant. So the friend does end up meeting Leland at that restaurant, where she again explained that Alexis left with an unknown male from the house they were visiting. Alexis and her friend both knew that Leland had purchased plane tickets for them for a return trip home that was going to leave at 10 p.m. the very next night. Leland stated that he was not concerned that Alexis left the house with a guy as long as she returned early enough to get on the plane for the return trip home. Leland and Alexis's friend go back to his house that night and do not hear from Alexis the rest of the night. The next morning, Leland heard from Alexis. That morning, I got a 
Facebook call from um, Alexis at about nine o'clock. I called back, called her right back. She didn't pick up. I texted her and she didn't respond. Leland then talked to Alexis's friend who was in the next room. Alexis's friend explained that she just spoke with Alexis and that Alexis said she was in Sacramento, California, which is about 560 miles away from Vegas with over an eight hour drive. Leland became concerned that Alexis may not make it back in time to get on the plane. In fact, Leland and Alexis's friend both flew out of the airport that night and Alexis never showed up. So Leland flew to Costa Rica for a week's vacation and Alexis's friend flew home. Leland never heard from Alexis again. I asked Dusty how Alexis's mom, April, found out about Alexis disappearing in Vegas. Nobody contacted April. April started trying to contact Alexis. Alexis only had an internet type of iPad. She did not have a phone at the time. And allegedly that got stolen. So April kept trying to, you know, Wi-Fi call her, couldn't get a hold of her, couldn't get a hold of her. April was finally able to get a hold of a friend of Alexis's who told her that Alexis was somewhere in California. April eventually did get a call from Alexis after she reportedly fled from the men she was with in California by running into the street partially naked and flagging down a woman who allowed her to use her phone. She does not get to the phone until she gets away from the captors. She gets away from the people that she claims held her against her will. Um, she was naked, unclothed. A older white woman found her and took her in, uh, let her call her mom, let her stay there until she called April, as soon as she called, until April could get her a bus ticket to come home. I asked Dusty if Alexis contacted police about the events in California. Dusty says that Alexis did not file a police report about anything that happened to her in California. Alexis made it home from California by bus at the beginning of September 2017. Back in Peoria, Illinois, a few weeks later, she ended up going out on Friday evening, September 22, 2017, while her mom watched her son. Later that evening, she ended up driving around in a car with two of her male friends. She was originally out at around 11 o'clock at night. She was out riding around and I don't know, they were, I think they were um, smoking marijuana. I don't know if they were drinking um, or anything, but I do know that they were smoking marijuana. At about 4 a.m. that morning, Alexis was contacted by a male that lives at a house in the 100 block of West Richmond Street in Peoria, Illinois. Someone reached out to Alexis and asked her to come over to his house. They were having a party. Um, he asked her to bring uh, sticks, blunt sticks for the marijuana. Um, and she said that she would. Alexis was dropped off at that party on Richmond Street. However, according to Dusty, there seems to be confusion as to who dropped her off. There was some discrepancy because a cab driver had claimed she dropped her off off the books, but that story was not corroborated with any video that we seen because April and I did see some video or by any other accounts that hasn't been justified. I asked Dusty what was said by the two male friends who Alexis was riding around with and smoking marijuana. Did they drop her off at the party? 
So they claim that they took her back to the house and she changed clothes and they dropped her off earlier. But that's not what it seems like. So for us, it's never been able to be fully justified. Now, we haven't been given any further um, from the police department except for that likely they dropped her off and uh, the cab driver did not. According to Dusty, the house on Richmond Street where the party was has at least a couple of adult brothers who live there. I asked Dusty to give me an idea of who was at this party and what she believed they were doing there. The party had started way earlier that night. And, you know, when I say party, um, this is what happens on a daily basis and often at various different addresses. And I say this because this has been factually substantiated since this has happened. They drink, they pop pills, they sell drugs, they do drugs, they party with girls every single night. That night, approximately nine people um, were at this house. Um, there were about three girls, the rest were guys. They were drinking, smoking. There may have been some other illicit drugs there, some pills, possibly. There could have been harder drugs there um, because one person um, later was um, arrested for selling fentanyl and heroin. So that could have been there as well. I asked Dusty if she has any idea about when Alexis left the party on Richmond Street. As far as I can factually state, she went inside of Richmond Avenue at approximately eight o'clock in the morning. And that's the last that I can say she was ever seen. So Dusty is confident based on what she knows of this case that Alexis was still at the party at 8 a.m. the next morning and that Alexis is seen going back inside the Richmond Street residence. Dusty further states that this is the last time that she is ever seen. Alexis does not come home that day and does not make contact with her mom, April. As the weekend continues, April becomes more and more concerned about Alexis. After uh, the, about the second day, Alexis's mom started reaching out to her friends because, you know, it was not uncommon for Alexis to leave and not come back home for a day or something like that. But it was uncommon for her to not reach out to her mom at some point. April learned that Alexis was last seen at the party, so April reached out to one of the names she was told who put on that party and asked him about Alexis. One of the adult brothers from that house told April that Alexis left the party early that morning. It has now been several days since April started looking for Alexis, but there was no solid information as to where she currently was. April only knew from talking to others that Alexis was last seen at a party and that a person who lived where the party was told her that Alexis left from that party in the early morning. April then filed a missing persons report with the Peoria Police Department. I spoke with Peoria Detective Roberto Vasquez, who is the lead investigator on this missing persons case, and Peoria Detective Sergeant Aaron Barish. So on the 27th, Alexis's mother reports her missing. 
officers respond, take that report. And then during that, in taking that report, her mother had given some social media names of people that were given to her because she had started her own investigation from when I read the reports that what it would appear to be. And the officer contacted some of our, what are called target offender officers in hopes to try to find out a specific Facebook profile. And it came back to one of the individuals that stays at the Richmond Street address. That being said, that officer on the same day, same report, went to that address and talked to the individuals there and was basically told that she had left uh, that party. So police confirmed that Alexis was at a party on Richmond Street in Peoria on September 23rd by speaking to a person who lives at that address. Police also confirmed from a resident at that party that Alexis allegedly left the party. The Peoria Police Department continued to investigate this case and learned more information as time went on. I asked Detective Vasquez if it is known when the last time was that she used social media. She had utilized someone else's cellular device to access her account due to her phone not being charged according to the mail that allowed her to log in with his phone. And she was communicating with someone from the Richmond address about showing up there. I asked Detective Vasquez if he had any indication of the time that Alexis arrived at the party. Um, it was approximately 5.08 in the morning. I asked the detective if he knew how she arrived at the party. Yes, um, she was dropped off by an individual that would consider her to be a friend of his. It was a male individual. Detective Vasquez explained that there is evidence that confirms Alexis was at the party. We um, were able to obtain some video footage from the addresses. I will keep that confidential. And then there were several people that were at the party that have been interviewed that did confirm that she was there. I asked the detective if he had any idea how long she was at the party. That starts the investigation right there because I've been told she didn't leave the party and I've been told that she did leave the party. And given the time frame from when people were interviewed to when those people were there, when I know Alexis got there, um, I would say she was probably at the party from anywhere from two and a half to three and a half hours, maybe. I asked the detective if there was any evidence that Alexis left the party. I can say this. The evidence would show that she probably didn't leave the party in the manner that I was told she left the party. So. The Peoria police has evidence that shows that Alexis did not leave the party on Richmond Street in the way that it was described to them. After Alexis was reported missing to the Peoria Police Department, the public started to look for her and they saw some interesting activity at the Richmond Street house. What was very significant is while there were many searchers and many of these people are well-known, prominent people, Peoria, trustworthy people. While they were conducting a search, they were noticing things that were out of the ordinary um, happening at Richmond Avenue. There was a U-Haul truck in front of the house. They were power washing the house, and that was very off. And I can corroborate this. I'll tell you, in 20 years, I've never seen that house look any different than it's always looked. You know what I mean? I've never right. seen any type of 
physical change or, you know, added paint or, you know, power washing. I've never seen any of that occur at that house. According to Detective Vasquez, the Peoria Police Department started to conduct a series of searches of that residence beginning in October. On October 1st of 2017, Detective Rogers, who uh, had this case prior to me, he actually was assigned to the case that day and went out and spoke with the residents and actually gained a consent search of the residents and uh, the curtilage therein. That was the first search of that area. Dusty describes the first search of the house on Richmond Street by Peoria Police like this. There was a police search done in the house. It was voluntary. They allowed uh, the police to come into the house and walk through the house and make sure that Alexis wasn't there. It was just a basic walkthrough. They you know, said, hey, can we look and make sure Alexis isn't in here? They walked through, checked the rooms, checked the basement, whatever, and that was that. Detective Vasquez confirmed that there was also a search warrant that was executed at that house in the middle of October. According to Dusty, the search warrant was mostly for electronic items. It's to my understanding that there was a search warrant obtained, and the search warrant was actually only to obtain media devices. That would be such things as phones, computers, tablets, things of that nature. Detective Vasquez confirmed that there was a third search of the residence on Richmond Street in March of 2018, about six months after Alexis disappeared. Without getting too in-depth into that, um, that was on March 5th, and it was a search warrant that was conducted with another law enforcement agency. And during that search warrant, we went in, and I say we, the Peoria Police Department went in and did a lot of forensics style stuff that normally at first glance wouldn't be done, but based on the direction of the investigation, it was done. So that's how that went. And then I'll, I'll just leave it at that, I guess. There was a news report about the search warrant at the time it occurred. According to the Peoria Journal Star reporter, Andy Kravitz, Seldrick Carpenter, age 43, who lived at the Richmond address was arrested and held on federal charges after a narcotics investigation revealed that Mr. Carpenter sold fentanyl to an informant on December 21st, 2017, about three months after Alexis disappeared. During the execution of the search warrant at the Richmond Street residence, police found a handgun. The article went on to say that while searching the residence, Peoria police also looked for evidence regarding the disappearance of Alexis Scott. Dusty describes this third search warrant of the Richmond Street house like this. There was a search warrant conducted um, at Richmond Avenue in March of 2018. At this point, it was through DEA task force that was assisted, and it was for um, narcotics charges on the older brother that lives at the residence, Seldrick Carpenter. This warrant was for the sales and distribution of heroin and fentanyl. Um, during this warrant for the house, they did a more thorough search. There is some other important information to consider when examining this case. Dusty is aware that there was a U-Haul style truck seen at the Richmond Street house on the afternoon that Alexis ended up missing. 
September 23, 2017. The day Alexis went missing, um, it was that afternoon, they obtained a U-Haul truck. They took the U-Haul truck to the house. Dusty says that items were removed from the house and placed in the U-Haul style truck. They took those items about 30 minutes away in Fulton County. They burned those items at this property. That day at around four or 4.30 in the afternoon, there was a call to the Fulton County Fire Department of a very large fire. So that has been corroborated in, in those ways. I asked Dusty if she was aware of anything about those items that were burnt that causes her to think that anything bad happened to Alexis. Dusty is aware that someone who saw those items made the following ominous observation. That is the most blood I've ever seen in my life. I asked Detective Esquez if there was anything he could tell me about a burn pile that may be related to this case. We got some information from a male who was stating that a burn pile was located out in Fulton County area, um, which is a couple counties away from Peoria. And in that situation, it was supposed to be um, a mattress and some carpet and a few other small items that were set fire to. And as we started looking into that, um, we were led out to this burn site in Fulton County. And we did locate uh, mattress springs um, and some other items that I'd rather just keep without saying what they are. And we spoke to the neighbors who had stated that there was a, a fire out there um, and it was on September 23rd of 2017 and that there was two distinct males that were out there. And the truck that was used by its descriptors being a U-Haul style truck was down there um, in this field area where this was burnt. So we were able to get with the Fulton County's uh, fire department, that whatever the local fire, fire department is there, and they did confirm that they came and put out a fire there on that property as well where the, where the mattress was. Another piece of information to consider that Dusty is aware of is that someone from the Richmond Street house was trying to get rid of a washer and dryer through Facebook on the day that Alexis was last seen at the party, September 23rd. A person went to the Peoria Police Department, admitted that the day that Alexis went missing, they were called up to the Richmond address. Now, when you think about this, we know for a fact they were up all night because they were posting on Facebook, they were posting on Snapchat all night long, not necessarily posting Alexis, but posting. And at about 12 o'clock that afternoon, he put a post on Facebook saying he would pay very good if somebody would help haul away a washer and dryer ASAP. I asked Detective Esquez if there was anything he could tell us about a resident from the Richmond Street house allegedly trying to get rid of a washer and dryer on September 23rd through Facebook. Um, I was able to come into contact with the participant in that Facebook message, and he basically went through what he spoke about um, with the resident at the Richmond Street address. Um, and then, in fact, he did. He never actually took any appliances from the house because um, there was nobody home when he got there. 
the Illinois River runs through Peoria and is the border to Fulton County where the burn pile was found. I asked Detective Esquez if there was any information they received that caused them to search any of the water in the area. Yes, the, there was also our, our investigation that kind of led to possibly water um, as being a potential site of dumping Alexis. And the, obviously this is all hearsay information, but we still follow it. And there was a, a boat that was searched um, and also forensics were done on that as well. Detective Sergeant Barish went on to say that there have been numerous additional searches. There have been uh, numerous reports uh, and tips of different areas and location, woods, along water. We have several different lakes and ponds and stuff around that are, that are throughout this area. And numerous of those have been uh, walked and searched on, on several different occasions. So any time that we had received a tip of, of, of any location, um, so besides those actual search warrants uh, from the residents there, and the burn piles, we have conducted numerous searches in different, uh, different areas. One of the strangest things about this case is that Alexis was accused of stealing $500 in Vegas at the end of August. Alexis was reportedly taken to Sacramento, California and forced into sex trafficking before fleeing half naked only to come home to Peoria, Illinois and then disappear after going to a party a few weeks later on September 23, 2017. A few days after Alexis disappears after attending the party on Richmond Street, Leland Jones, otherwise known as Uncle Beats, is back in Peoria because he has a music studio there. Leland becomes aware that there are things being said on him on Facebook about being involved in Alexis's disappearance. So he sends all of the messages and a copy of the plane tickets that he bought Alexis to return home from Vegas to her mom, April. The police end up calling Leland and talk with him about his Vegas trip with Alexis and her friend a month before. Later that same day, he is at a car wash on Richmond when a police officer pulls up and finds Leland talking with residents from the Richmond Street house. That same day I talked to the police officer, I go to the car wash, I'm washing my car. The car wash on Richmond, I got this girl with me. The guys she go to talk to, I've been knowing them for 10 years. I just ain't seen them in a while. So she go talking to him. I'm like, well, let me go speak to them. I'm over there talking to him. The police roll up. Police pull up, what's up, Uncle Beats? And I'm like, do I know you? He goes, yeah, you talked to me earlier. And I'm like, oh, what's up? He like, uh, yeah, I didn't know you knew them. I'm like, yeah, I've been knowing them. He like, man, come talk to me. I'm like, no, you can talk to me in front of them. I'm like, I ain't got, me, me, you ain't got no private conversations to have. I'm like, what's going on? Did y'all find a letter? And he tells me, this is where she came missing from. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't know this. So Alexis's family was very concerned about the connection between Leland and the residents who live in the Richmond Street house because he was seen talking with them days after Alexis ended up missing, and he was the person that was with Alexis in Vegas when she was taken to Sacramento and allegedly forced into sex trafficking. The day after, when police stopped by to talk to the people on Richmond, Leland was across the street talking to them at the car wash. It was just kind of weird. 
that was significant because it was brought up that Alexis stole the $500. And so there have been assumptions made that maybe he put them up to inviting her over there to get back at her for stealing the $500 because Leland does not live in Peoria. He owns a studio in Peoria, but he just so happened to be in Peoria. It was alleged that she stole it from him. Um, he has later said it was from one of the other guys in the house. Leland told me that it had been two years since he had any contact with the residents on Richmond Street and that it was just a coincidence that he was at the car wash when he happened to see them before the officer pulled up that day. Leland states that he heard that Alexis's family and friends believe that he may have something to do with her disappearance because they heard that she took $500 from Leland or one of his associates in Vegas. The thought is that Leland may have been involved because the $500 was taken from either him or his associates. Leland absolutely denies that he had anything to do with Alexis's alleged kidnapping in Vegas or her disappearance in Peoria. The Steve Wilco show contacted Leland and asked him to come talk about Alexis's disappearance. He went on the show and took a lie detector test about his knowledge and involvement in Alexis's disappearance. According to video from the show, Leland passed the polygraph test given to him by the show. According to the show, the polygraph tests show that Leland does not have any knowledge as to how Alexis disappeared. Leland states that he would never do something like this over $500 being taken from him. Originally, she's thinking the 500 is mine. If you take something from me, I don't care because God is going to, God going to bless me 50 more times. So it's like, let it happen. Take it. And it's just like, I don't, I don't think she understands that. To be clear, Dusty is not saying that Leland is involved, just that it was weird that he was talking with the Richmond Street residents days after Alexis is missing, and he was with Alexis in Vegas when she was taken to Sacramento, California, three weeks before. Peoria police are still keeping an open mind and following leads wherever they may take them. This investigation is still absolutely wide open. I would not turn anything off of this investigation. I would, I am, and still will continue to look into Vegas or anything, the investigation, wherever it takes me, I'm going to look at it. Uh, we get tips and messages and Facebook messages to the police department. And, you know, being an investigation yourself, some of the things that we get are just absolutely asinine, but we still follow up on them just because in that one chance that it might actually be something that's relevant, we want to make sure we cross that T and dotted that I. Police are receiving varying degrees of cooperation from the people who last saw Alexis, also varying degrees of honesty. You know, we've, we've spoken to the individuals at that party some, you know, several times. And, you know, we will go back and we'll gauge what their story is. Uh, you know, when they first told it to what they're telling us now, you know, there's some cooperation and there's some that's not. We're trying to do the extra step engage their honesty by things that we have learned through social media and electronics uh, investigations and trying to pinpoint whether they're being honest or, or if not. Because we have, we have received several messages of people coming in saying, 
I know this or I heard this or I was there that we have been completely been able to, when we hook them up to a polygraph or have them perform the polygraph, they completely fail. And they have said, well, you know, I, yes, I did lie a bit. I was just wanting to try to get somebody arrested on this case or get, move it in the right direction. So obviously, as you know, as a former investigator, that does not help us. That's, that's a lot of time wasted. That's a lot of resources that are wasted. So there, there have definitely been some cooperators, and then there has definitely been some that, that move us in the wrong direction. I really need to stress, detectives only need factual and straightforward information. Providing inaccurate information only causes more difficulties in solving the case. So here is a summary of this complex case as we know it based on our interviews and public news reports. Alexis and her female friend arrive in Vegas around 1 a.m. on August 27, 2017. Leland Jones, a.k.a. Uncle Beats, had originally bought their tickets so Alexis's friend could dance at a bachelor party he was putting on there. Guys from the wedding were gambling at Leland's house, and Alexis and her friend were also partying there with them. Alexis and her friend are accused of stealing $500 from a male at this gambling party. The guy that accused them is kicked out and the party ends. The next night, Alexis and her friend are on the strip and go to a house with some males. According to the friend, Alexis leaves with one of the males. Alexis contacts her friend the next morning and says she is in Sacramento, California, but allegedly doesn't mention anything about being in danger, according to Leland. Alexis does not make it back in time to leave Vegas with the plane ticket that Leland bought for her. Days later, Alexis allegedly flees half-naked from men who have forced her into sex trafficking while in Sacramento, California, and calls her mom. Her mom sends Alexis a bus ticket, and Alexis makes it back to Peoria, Illinois, the first week of September 2017. Alexis does not report any of the events in Sacramento, California, to police. A few weeks later, Alexis goes out on Friday evening, September 22, 2017, and drives around smoking marijuana with two male friends. About 4 a.m., Alexis hears from an adult brother from a Richmond Street house in Peoria. He asks her to come to a party at the house. The last time Alexis uses social media is at 5.08 a.m. when she is communicating with that resident about showing up at a party on Richmond. There was some confusion about who dropped off Alexis at the party, but police have stated that it was a friend of hers. There is evidence that Alexis was at this party on Richmond. The last time that Alexis is seen is about 8 a.m. September 23rd, going back into the house on Richmond. Police say that Alexis did not leave the Richmond Street house the way they have been told she left. On the day that she is last seen on Richmond, there is a U-Haul style truck seen at Richmond. Reportedly, there were items removed from the house on Richmond and put into the truck. It is reported that the items had what appeared to be a lot of blood on them. A U-Haul style truck is seen at a property about 30 minutes from Peoria in Fulton County, Illinois on that same day. There are two males there when a large fire is set. The Fulton County Fire Department responds and puts out the fire. Police later search the burn pile and find mattress springs, but do not want to release what else is found there. The same day that Alexis was last seen at the party, it is reported that a resident from the Richmond Street house attempts to sell a washer and dryer through Facebook. When the purchaser arrives at the Richmond Street house that day, no one answers the door. 
April Allen starts looking for her daughter Alexis when Alexis doesn't come home or contacts April. April finds out the name of a resident who threw a party on Richmond Street and contacts him to find out about Alexis. He tells April that Alexis was at the party but left early in the morning. April reports Alexis missing on Wednesday, September 27, 2017. Police were able to find the address of the party that Alexis was last seen at on Richmond. Police were able to make this connection because April provided police the name of the person who told April that Alexis left the party on Richmond on the early morning of September 23rd. Leland Jones contacted April after he saw that he was being accused of being a part of her disappearance. Leland said that he gave April and police a copy of all communications between him and Alexis and a copy of the plane ticket he bought for Alexis's return flight home. Police see Leland talking to residents of the Richmond Street house at a car wash located nearby. Leland says it is just a coincidence that he began talking with the Richmond Street residents on that day and that it had been about two years since he had heard from any of them. Leland has adamantly and repeatedly denied having any part of Alexis's disappearance in Vegas or in Peoria, Illinois, and he later passed the polygraph examination according to the Steve Wilkos television show. Police conduct a series of searches of the Richmond Street house. Police will not release any information on evidence recovered from those searches in reference to the disappearance of Alexis. One of the search warrants at this residence occurred in March 2018 about five months after Alexis was missing. This search resulted in the arrest of Seldrick Carpenter, age 43, for federal drug charges in reference to him selling fentanyl to an undercover informant. Police also found a handgun during this search. Seldrick was later convicted and sentenced to 37 months in federal prison on narcotics distribution. Police have heard that Alexis's body may have possibly been disposed of in water. Police have searched a number of areas, including waterways. Police have also searched a boat. Some people appear to be cooperating and some are not. Some have purposely given false information to police. They are giving lie detector tests to some individuals to gauge their honesty. So those are the major pieces of information available to us at this time. Police are asking to please contact them if you have seen anything strange at all that may be related to this case. I would say if anybody um, ever noticed anything, any tire tracks, weird trucks, or any, maybe, you know, it wasn't anything to them at the time, but now if they hear this, any sort of waterways, lakes, ponds, anything, if anything strikes them as weird, um, if they find something around a bank or a river bank that they may think is a bone that doesn't mean anything to them, um, obviously they need to call that in because, you know, if, somebody did do something to anybody and put them in a in water we definitely want to know about that we don't want anything overlooked some things may appear to be trash or you know um that have been there for some time that you know just kind of puts you know makes you think well why would that be there you know i mean we're gonna we're going to look at it we're going to investigate it we're going to search the area we're going to do you know everything that we can even when they think that it might be irrelevant it may be relevant to us if there's, you know, something to it or if they have information or, you know, just looks out of place. If there is anyone that knows anything about this case, police are asking for you to come forward now. There is 100% people 
that are associated with this that we feel knows what happened or other people there that knows what happened. And, and the bottom line is, is that this mother is, is missing her daughter. And she has friends and she has a son who is missing his mother. And she is a victim. No matter what type of lifestyle she lived or, any, or anything else, in the end, she is a victim. And, you know, we understand when it, a lot of people don't want to talk and, and they're afraid. But, you know, we ask that when you lay your head down at night, you think about what can you live with and, and, and what shocks your conscience. And we ask them to do the right thing. And if they have information or they can lead us in a direction uh, to move in this investigation, as something factual that can help us, then we ask them to come forward and we ask them to give us the information to help give this family closure and, and give her justice so that her mother, her friends, and her son can, can live at peace. Alexis's disappearance has taken a tremendous toll on April and Alexis's now five-year-old son. It's been mentally horrific for her for a few different reasons. There is a lot of sleepless nights for her for the first year, year and a half. She missed a lot of work because mentally it was draining her and she was staying up all night and she was trying to search and, you know, trying to find clues and seeking out, trying to put pieces of the puzzle together. and. You know, it's very hard on her. Then you have a two-year-old that's now five that you have to take care of. And at one point, he was calling her mom. And, you know, she's like, I don't know what to do. Or, you know, he calls her grandma now. And he knows who Alexis is. It's hard. It, it's, it's not easy. Dusty continues to work with April to help bring closure to the disappearance of Alexis Camry Scott. The best thing that I can say that I always say is justice for Alexis and we won't stop until the gavel drops. If you have any information at all, do the right thing and call the Peoria Police Department in Illinois. If you want to remain anonymous, you can contact the Greater Peoria Area Crime Stoppers. Crime Stoppers will pay a reward of up to $2,500 for information that leads to Alexis being found and or the arrest of the person or persons responsible for her disappearance. I'd like to thank retired Peoria Police Sergeant Doug Hopwood for suggesting this case. Thanks for listening. You can help us fight crime by joining the True Crime Takedown Team through Patreon. You can join the Takedown Team by going to truecrimetakedown.com team. Our Patreon Takedown Team members get exclusive episodes, audio extras, bonus content, and much more. Pictures and sources for this podcast can be found on our website. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at True Crime Takedown. Our theme music, The Takedown, is by Mitch Marlowe. We'll be back with a new episode soon. True Crime Takedown is a production of Crime Fighters Media.